In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin, no Jesse Temple. Be back with me on Thursday. Badgers were on the field for practice number 14 of spring on Tuesday morning. We'll get to that in a little bit. They just have one practice left. That'll be coming up on Thursday. Little schedule note here. We're going to be putting out episodes the rest of this week, and that'll end our spring practice coverage, and in it will end the daily episodes of the camp. However, still gathering responses on whether people actually enjoyed this or not for the last month, you know, doing episodes every day and continuing to put together that. And and if you guys did enjoy it, let me know. May put a poll question out there to see if uh, people did enjoy it. And if they did, well, then we're going to bring it back for fall camp and into the season, the everyday episodes. I, I feel like it has gone well. I think during the season, there may be even more interest in it. I know spring practice is as excited people are about Wisconsin football spring practice is still spring practice, and there's a lot of other things going on. Obviously, when uh, July and August roll around and getting football season is in full effect, I think people will be even more interested in it. However, I need to know that. So just let me know. Um, you can do it in my DMs. You can do it on Twitter, however you want to do it. Let me know if you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll we'll look to bring it back in fall. We won't be taking the rest of the summer off or the rest of the time off. Or Me and Jesse will still be doing episodes. It just won't be every day. But uh, yeah, this will be the last week of the everyday episodes. So let's get into it here. Uh, some news before we get to practice. Uh, Colton Bartholomew reported that Vito Calvaruso is in the transfer portal. Not a huge shock. He was not there on Saturday. Has taken literally zero, uh, maybe not literally is the bad word, uh, has taken virtually no reps whatsoever, field goal, kickoff, or otherwise. It was pretty clear that uh, when they brought in Nathaniel Vacos that Vito Calvaruso was uh, probably going to be in a tough spot uh, because he was a guy that was on scholarship last year. It felt very unlikely that they were going to keep two scholarship kickers, especially a guy who's only going to be a kickoff specialist like uh, Vito was probably going to be. So he hits the transfer portal. It's, uh, it's a big loss. You know, I know Jesse... Will no longer be able to get uh, tipsy on his leg strength, but he did have just a, an amazing, strongly, amazingly strong leg. I mean, he, it just didn't look good when it got to games. You know, I, I remember posting video, and I actually tweeted about it today. Posted video of him hitting for fifty-seven yards with ease pre, uh, prior to the Washington State game, and then in that game, he was out there on a couple of field goals, and it just was not good. And I just wonder if it's more of a pressure thing if it's just not good under pressure or what it is. but And then he was injured for the rest of the season and re- really never made an impact whatsoever. So for him to hit the transfer portal, not a huge surprise. Those three guys, uh, Spencer Lytle, Julius Davis, and Vito Cavaruso hitting the transfer portal, not a huge surprise. There's still going to be more guys. Uh, as Jesse and I talked about on, on Monday, it's a situation where you have until April 30th to put your name in the portal. Wisconsin gets done with their final practices the twenty the 27th. So players are going to, again, players are going to have to decide pretty quickly. I feel like there's a number of guys that have already probably decided that they're going to do that. They just don't want to uh, dump out a practice or dump out a spring early. Kind of wanted to go and, and finish off what's going on. And if there are guys that uh, stick around and the staff decides that they don't that they are not in their future plans, well, then they have the opportunity to say, 
you can stay on scholarship, but it's not going to be a football scholarship because they do have to get underneath the the limit, uh, the, uh, the the scholarship limit, which is 85, and they have to be there when the guys show up, uh, the new freshmen show up for summer workouts. So that's going to be in early June. So there's going to be guys that I think they probably are letting them know. I think they probably let, whether it's Spencer Lytle or Julius Davis or Vito Covers, or know that you guys should get your names in there while you can because you're not in our plans here. And I think that was pretty evident in their the reps that they were getting in practice. So uh, again, I'm not saying that the football team's saying you should get in the transport right now because we're not we're gonna we're not gonna have you on the team. But I think they kind of see where things are going, and I think there are a number of other guys that are gonna probably see where things are going. And I think there's a number of guys that are probably we will not expect that will end up in the transfer portal. I think that there are some guys that you would think potentially could have an impact, but maybe think they could have an impact bigger a bigger impact somewhere else hit the portal as well. So the the numbers where they're at right now in terms of scholarships, uh, I believe they are at 87. So that is obviously two more than they can have, but that's not including the guys that are, they're potentially going to bring in through the transfer portal. We know, we know they're working on getting guys to campus, um, you know, especially in the secondary and trying to get uh, some additions to the roster. And that continued today when they hosted a number of guys on visits, including uh, Antonio Carter, the cornerback out of Rhode Island, a guy who has a, a ton of offers from a lot of different places. And he, he watched practice today. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting because he was, he was right in front of us uh, where we were watching practice. He was right in front of us. He was talking with Pat Lambert for a majority of the day. And then during, uh, you know, one period when they went to team, uh, Jason Matry, the corner from uh, Boston College who came in and transferred, grabbed him and pulled him over and had him watch these team drills with him, which I thought was pretty cool of him to do. And I think pretty cool for Wisconsin, a guy who transferred in, knows what this is about, and is kind of given the, the lowdown to another guy from the East Coast, uh, obviously not originally from Carter's originally from Florida, but a guy who played in New England like Matry did and kind of just giving him a, a heads up on what is what. And I thought that was pretty cool of him to do. And uh, we'll see if they're able to, to land him. Uh, I know they had the, the transfer from uh, Alabama in as well today. They, they are putting efforts into several transfers, and um, I, it was evident in practice today why. Uh, they were without. Uh, Matry did not practice. Uh, he was dressed. Didn't look like there was anything serious, but he didn't practice today. His backup in the slot usually is Almond Williams. He was nowhere to be found today either. I don't know if there was a injury there or what. Haven't heard yet on that. So they were down their top two slots, and their their third. I mean, their other slot guy hasn't practiced at all this spring, and Max Lofi. So they were using Bryce Carey, who was a safety, was essentially was lining up the first team defense in the slot. They essentially had four safeties on the field during much of the practice because they were down. They didn't have any more slot guys, so they need to add bodies at cornerback. There's just no doubt about that. Matry's going to be fine. He's a starter. He's going to be a starter. And Ricardo Hallman and Alexander Smith have both played really, really well this spring. And those, and I think those guys are obviously uh, maybe locked in as well. But they need depth there. They need depth. We've seen some improvement out of Jonas Taclona. We've seen uh, Jason Arnold make some plays. But they need some depth at that corner spot. And uh, we can we clearly see them doing that in the portal. So uh, some other things that uh, stood out at practice today. Tommy McIntosh, again. Had a great Saturday with a couple of uh, big catches. Was back at it today. Had uh, and and here's the thing, notable thing. 
uh, he had he had been running with the third team most of spring. Uh, today, he was with the second team. And I know people are like, well, he was with the second team on Saturday. Well, he kind of was and he kind of wasn't. Uh, they were rotating. The top guys were rotating. Uh, there was a top five or a top six that were rotating with the first team that weren't necessarily working with uh, the likes of Brayden Locke and the second team. So uh, Tommy McIntosh had been a third team guy today, rolling with the second team. He was the guy behind C.J. Williams on the right side and had a great practice again, had an absolutely great practice again, had a great slant dime ball from, uh, or I should say not even a dime ball, just an absolute laser from Braden Locke for a touchdown, held on through contact, a really, really good catch. Then um, he caught another touchdown. It might have been a touchdown. It might not have been. Uh, but it was it was right in the corner in the end zone. It looked like he got at least one foot in and made the catch. I think the defense guy said he was juggling it. I didn't see the juggle. I thought he made a great catch in traffic again. So things seems to be starting to click for him. He is a big guy. He's 6'4", 6'5", and can run. He's about 2, 210, 15, and he can run. So I think it's a, it's a guy that could certainly help them. But again, it just goes back to this idea of, of how many different guys have made plays at wide receiver this fall or uh, this spring and whether it'll end up being feasible to get them all in action this fall. And if not, you know, are they okay with sitting and watching? Um, because every one of them has made plays at one point this spring. I mean, go on down the list. Will Pauling, obviously, and Keontas Lewis, and Jim Ray DK, and Skyler Bell, and Quincy Burroughs, and obviously Tommy McIntosh, and Chris Brooks Jr., and C.J. Williams. And we haven't even mentioned Bryson Green, who continues to be held out of, uh, of any team drills. So, so many guys at that spot, and that's, and that's, again, why I think that's an interesting place to watch when it comes to the transfer portal. I think it's an interesting position to watch uh, for a potential name or two to pop up and, and end up uh, heading elsewhere. But we'll see. It was, it, was, it was a really good day again for Tommy McIntosh. Really, really good day again for C.J. Williams. He had a touchdown uh, from Tanner Mordecai in the back of the end zone, going right away from the cornerback in the back of the end zone. The ball was a tad high, but he went up and got it and got a foot in. Really, really good catch from him. And I also thought he had a great block on what would have been a touchdown run by Braylon Allen. He sealed the edge and, and held up against Alexander Smith to let Braylon get to the uh, to the pylon. So obviously he understands that it's not just catching the ball, and that's never that's always going to be the case at Wisconsin. You got to be able to block, and he's done that. Uh, he did that on that play. It was a really good play, and, and Braylon Allen, you know, recognized it afterwards and. You know, tapped him on the helmet and said, great job. So uh, really good stuff from C.J. Williams. We saw Jim Ray DK also uh, had a, a really good day, I think. Um, those receivers stood out. I think another interesting part of what we've seen in spring is, is uh, you know, guys jumping up depth chart that you weren't necessarily expecting to. And uh, the guy that has done that, and again, a lot of it has to do with injury, but he's also taken advantage of it, and that is Riley Nowakowski at tight end. Um if I had to put together a depth chart today, and I guess I don't have to, uh, Jesse will be, and, I, and uh, I'm sure everybody else will be, but if I had to put a depth chart together today, I'd say he's a starter. At, at minimum, he's a starter. It's one of those Riley Nowakowski or, because he has, he, he's been with the first team an extended portion of these last couple of weeks. And, uh, I mean, I guess you could throw Jack Pugh in there as well, and then it's Jack Eschenbach and Hayden Rucci right there as well. But I think CJ, I would I would give Riley Nowakowski the nod at this point to say he's a starter. Now whether that ends up being the case when Clay Cundiff comes back 
And um, again, they have a couple different tight end spots. Um, you know, we've seen Jack Pugh kind of line up on the outside. Riley's kind of been a little bit of an H-back role, but also lining up outside. They, they have different tight end roles. So, you know, some guys are going to be super good at one thing and, and others are going to be better at others, especially with this tight end group because of what they are used to doing in Wisconsin's offense. So I think Riley Nowakowski at this moment, at this moment, would be my first team tight end if I had to put together a depth chart. There were not a, uh, a ton of, there were no turnovers from the first team offense today. Tanner Mordecai, uh, for the first time in a couple of practices, did not throw an interception. What was markedly better than he was on Saturday. And I'm not surprised at all to see to say that or to see that because that's not the guy on Saturday that we saw was not the guy that we've seen much of the spring. And so for him to bounce back was good and needed. And uh, I'm sure uh, I doubt that quells anybody else uh, that didn't see practice today's fears or uh, worries, but he was better today. He was definitely better today than he was on Saturday. No turnovers at all. Braden Locke picked off on a tip ball by uh, Jake Cheney today. And then Jackson Truggan, the, uh, the kid out of Madison Edgewood, the walk-on, back-to-back interceptions. Um, one, off a, one off a tip. Actually, both were off a tip. One, I think, was uh, Marshall Howell. The other one was Nick Evers. Back-to-back plays when they were doing Skelly. So, at least notable. I think that's the first time I've said his name on this podcast. So, noteworthy there. But for the most part, there weren't. And the, the snaps, for the most part, were fine. A lot of the things that have been an, have been an issue for the first-team offense in the last week or so were not. Snaps are fine, no turnovers. That's exactly what uh, you're looking for <laughs> after what happened on Saturday. Uh, Jordan Turner, Mumajang Mehta, both uh, certainly stood out again in getting after the quarterback. And, and Jordan Turner blew up a third-down play to the outside that uh, it was well, it was third and short. A little quarterback option that uh, really had was not going to be an option. It was always going to end up in Braylon Allen's hand. And uh, Jordan Turner got out there and, and stuffed him. What would have been a loss, and, and uh, I believe it was on third down. So a really nice play by him. Again, not a ton. Not a ton going on today at practice. Uh, it was a little bit of a lighter day. I So um, a couple of DBs that stood out. Alexander Smith had a pass breakup. Preston Zachman saved a touchdown. Uh, it was a it was going to be a third touchdown to Tommy McIntosh, and he came over and, and made a play, late play on the ball. It was really good, really good effort from him. So uh, some second team reps for Miles Burkett. It was kind of uh, interesting to see that. Uh, I think it was not the greatest day for Braden Locke. A lot of passes uh, um, batted down. I think some misreads, and uh, so he uh, they 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 pulled him once or twice and allowed. Miles Burkett to jump in there and and get a few reps. He didn't lead any drives uh, to anywhere, but uh, it's, I guess it's at least notable that he got some team uh, work with the first the second team because we have not seen him barely at all other than with the uh, the third stringers. So um, I think that's notable as well. A couple injury things: Jake Renfro out of a boot. He's out of a boot, so that he has to be getting a little bit closer. You know, obviously, not going to take part in spring, but he's getting uh, healthier because he had been a boot really since. He went down with that injury today. I think today or or last or on Saturday were the first days that I haven't seen him uh, in a boot. Uh, same thing goes for Aaron Witt. He's been wearing smaller and smaller boots. We know we know his injury history. The outside linebacker, who I think a lot of people were hoping uh, would be able to be able to take part in spring ball because he's missed the last two seasons with injury, um, but he uh, was Sands boot today. No boot whatsoever. Uh, he had been wearing this little black brace boot on his on his shoe. Not there. So good news, I think, certainly on that. 
All right, before we go, um, there were a couple of questions last week that I didn't get to during our Q&A, so I figured I'd fill those in here a little bit. Mike says, this is again, this is from last Thursday, so this is prior to the performance by Tanner Mordecai on Saturday. But he said, uh, we continue to hear about Locke's strong performance. News about Mordecai has tapered a bit while first-team defense has excelled. Any chance there's a battle for QB1 going into the fall? I think, uh, obviously, Saturday was a great day for Braden Locke and not so great for Tanner Mordecai. It, it kind of been that way for a, a, a few practices. But I think today is, is was kind of an example of why there's not. Um, you know, Braden Locke followed that up with uh, probably his worst practice, one of his worst practices today. As I mentioned before, a lot of ton of ton of balls batted down um, through an interception uh, that Jake Cheney may have returned for a touchdown um, on a tip ball. Like there, it, it was trying to fit some uh, passes into areas that there weren't. There were some good throws. The ta- the Tommy McIntosh touchdown, the, the the first one, a little slant, exactly where the ball had to be. But Tanner Mordecai didn't come here to to sit on the bench. Now, if if Brayton Locke ends up being a much better quarterback consistency wise throughout the entire summer and then in a fall camp I guess maybe there's a chance but this is Tanner Mordecai's job and I just think he's going to have an opportunity in games to prove that it is his job I don't think he's going to lose it in practice um, you know Phil Longo may change his mind that's I guess that's a possibility but it feels like he's uh, attached himself to Tanner Mordecai for this year we've seen Braden Locke get zero first team reps zero as I mentioned today Miles Burkett getting some second-team reps. Braden Locke has taken almost all the second-team reps until today. Tanner Mordecai has taken every single first-team rep available this spring. And I would imagine that's going to be that case in fall camp, too. Now, maybe once you get into the season, it's a little bit different. But right now, Tanner Mordecai is the number one quarterback. And as good as Braden Locke looked at times, and as rough as Saturday was for Tanner Mordecai, I think you're he's... He's going to be the number one quarterback at least, at least through a few uh, a few games. I think he's going to have a really good season. I'm not. I I think he's going to be quarterback one throughout. But I don't think there's any chance he's not quarterback one in week one against Buffalo. So is there a chance for a quarterback one uh, a quarterback battle? I don't think so. I don't think so. Jake says uh, he just listened to the last Q and A in the camp, and he had a couple of questions. What happens if Wisconsin doesn't get down to the number of scholarship players? without players leaving on their own accord. And if they don't get down to that number, could NIL be a way to supplement a player scholarship, say if they were a sixth-year uh, player or someone that they 100% knew wasn't going to be part of the team the following year? Uh, the first part of that is, if they don't get down, look, they're going to get down to it, one way or the other. If it's players not leaving on their own accord, it's going to be uh, their ability, due to the NCAA, uh, NCAA rule, that allows new coaches to not cut guys, but say, we're going to keep you on scholarship, but it's not a football scholarship anymore. You're still going to be able to go to school. We're going to pay for your school, but you're no longer counting towards this 85-man roster, and you're not in this team anymore. And we see that a lot with medical like medical, medical hardship, uh, that type of stuff, where guys stay on scholarship even though they never set foot on the field. I remember that happening a ton of times, especially early in my time covering the team where guys you know, were recruited, showed up, got hurt, Never heard from them again, but they ended up getting degrees. And so that that happens. But in this situation, it's it's not medical hardship. It's just we're willing to give you a scholarship, but you're not going to stay as a part of this 85-man roster. You have an, They have an ability to, quote-unquote, cut guys. So they're going to get down to that 85 no matter what, one way or the other. 
Um, in terms of could NIL be a way to supplement players? Absolutely. Absolutely. It works with the walk-ons here. Uh, we've seen it with basketball where guys who were on scholarship drop off a scholarship or will drop off a scholarship. Guys, Glenzie was on scholarship last year. He won't be on scholarship this year, but they have NIL ways of helping those guys and 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 filling in. And, and it's going to be the same way with football too, uh, where walk-ons are getting NIL benefits um, as a way to kind of make up for not having a scholarship. And so, yes, I think there's certainly that comes into play uh, for guys that aren't around anymore. And that and that's going to be the way it is. I mean, I th- I, you you have to do that. I, I think that there's a number of uh, schools that focus strictly on that, on, uh, you know, getting walk-ons to camp or getting walk-ons to the team and essentially paying their way through NIL just to, it's because obviously with a scholarship limit, you only have so many. If you're able to, to get a guy to come where he's essentially on scholarship, he just doesn't have quote unquote a scholarship. You're able to do it NIL wise and Wisconsin um, is certainly going to do that. We've seen it in basketball and uh, football. Certainly um, I don't think uh, any, uh, any different. All right. Next one comes from Chris. Uh, this is, Again, I w- I'm horrible when I when I, I miss stuff in my DMs all the time. Um, so a lot of these are ones that I missed from before. Uh, this one from Chris. This from Sunday, uh, April 16th. So uh, about 10 days ago, he said, uh, the new defense seems to value speed over mass in the front seven. Will that hold up against Big Ten power run schemes like Iowa and Minnesota? I'm intrigued to see if it will. I'm, I, look, Wisconsin's front, when it goes to certain packages, is a bit light. There's no doubt about that, but they have the ability to go big. It's not. It's not like those body types are completely gone. We saw a little bit of it, of it today in practice, where they were running their their uh, base three four defense, where it was the three down lineman with uh, Kurt Neal and, and Gio Piaz, you know, switching off at nose tackle, but then uh, Rodus Johnson and James Thompson Jr. slash you know Isaiah Mullins, you know, working at the defensive end spots. So it's that's that's really no different with. Um, than what they've had before. So I think if they if they need to go that way, they certainly can. But I also think the speed can mess with power run games at the same time. Like if you're, I mean, we, we've seen it happen with Wisconsin's power running game. And, you know, teams with with some athleticism messing things up because of that athleticism. Go back to the Washington State game last year. They, their, their defensive front was not big. But they were athletic as hell, and they made all kinds of kinds of problems for for Wisconsin. But I do think it is it is something to watch. There's no doubt about that. I will say that the inside linebackers, Mumajong Meta and Jordan Turner, are bigger than they were last year. I think that is at least notable. I think that because of the what some of the stuff that they're going to be playing, they're going to be asking them to take on more blocks than they maybe they had been in the past. So, um, but I there is the, the give and take where you take some size off to put speed on and it could it could hurt you it could but this is not a defensive staff that doesn't understand that uh for sure chris also says i don't hear trussell using words like gap sound or stout at the point of attack is the new defense more all or nothing either a great disruptive play or getting gashed i don't think that's how they would uh they would describe it but they do want to be more disruptive they want to bring chaos and there are at times I think that's going to lead to them getting gashed, uh, but I, it's not simply stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. Like that's important, and that was the most important thing under Jim Leonard. It was the first thing ever mentioned: stop the run, get to third down, and getting, 
dial up some exotic crap and get after the quarterback. And I think with this group, there's going to be a lot more movement and exotic crap thrown at offenses on first and second down where, you know, they're going to try and confuse guys and confuse offenses and um, use that athleticism that we talked about to get after and, and, and create chaos in the backfield. And I think at times that is going to lead to giving up some big plays. But I think that they'll have more big plays on their end than the other way around. But I wouldn't say it's all or nothing. I, they, they certainly want everyone to, to, play their, to play their gap and to play their responsibility, but they do want guys in the backfield. And that's especially the case with the defensive line. Like the defensive line is not simply just going to be run. Like it's not going to be all about run. It's not that's not going to be their first read every time, all the time, which it has been these last, the last decade with the previous uh, under the previous defense. There's there are going to be playmaking opportunities, and the same thing goes for the outside linebackers. The first key is not always going to be run, so um, I do think that uh, is notable. So that is going to do it uh, for the show. Certainly do appreciate everyone's questions. We'll be uh, doing another Q and A on Friday, the, the final one here of spring. I'll be back tomorrow and then Jesse will be back on Thursday. Until then, you've been listening to The Camp.